Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sir Nicky Delaney. So what? Um, it's a Friday episode. We um, we had so much to talk about on Monday's episode that there's so much left over. So basically, we'll just continue ploughing through that because last week, towards the end of last week, you were in Seville for Sevilla versus West Ham United. Yeah. Which sounds like a fun trip. The result wasn't ideal, but I, it looks like you had a lovely time. Well, by the time um, this goes out, we'll know what the... Because the the second leg at West Ham, oh, yeah. which I'll have also attended, obviously, is on Thursday. And this is yeah. this will be going out to subscribers that evening. We're recording this in advance. So we, yeah. we're, you're in the future listening to this. We don't know what became of West Ham. I doubt many of you care. I know Andy don't doesn't care. But no, anyway. I'd, like to see, I'd like to see you happy, Sam. I want to see your team do well if it makes you happy. I'm just trying to say it in context. It wasn't the worst result. It was a. I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the stadium and the atmosphere uh, a huge amount. I really enjoyed just being on that sort of away game. It was like I've seen West Ham a couple of times before in Europe, but this was certainly the biggest game, and um, that I've been to see them in Europe because it's rare for West Ham to be in Europe. But the main thing is, Andy, I just loved being abroad. Because yeah. I realised I hadn't been abroad since about July 2019. Yeah, it's really sort it's of... a long time. Pang, pangs of being abroad from watching your, your pics on Instagram. And yeah, and we, when, like, once Whoa. we got to Seville, you know, it was quite a long journey because we had to fly to Madrid and then get a train. and But that made it more of an adventure, more of a laugh, you know, because it was too expensive. It was prohibitively expensive to fly direct to Seville. Right. Yeah. So we did all of that, and that's why you know it's better because you experience more things. And you know me, yeah, Andy. I'm a man it? of experience. I'm I, I'm a man who, seek who out. seeks out experience feast wherever he can. On experience. I do. I do. I gorge myself on it. And this was a wonderful like a opportunity. When I got off the train in Seville, it was just like spring. It was like you'd travelled through time because I left. You know, was up and out the house at like five thirty a.m. in London. It was still pretty cold and miserable. By the time we got to Seville, Madrid was sort of in the middle somewhere. But by the time we got to Seville, which is quite far south in Spain, I got off the train and I thought, I want to walk to my hotel. My mate, who I was with, was staying in a different hotel to me, and right. I, I said, right, I'm I'm going to walk to mine because I want to drink Seville in a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. as I walked along the street, mate. That of course the, the 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 most famous sort of thing of Seville is its orange trees. But what orange I didn't know everywhere. was that also on the orange trees is jasmine, which is a wonderful oh. smell mm-hmm. that fills you with so much sort of the genuinely the joys of spring. So you know you're smelling this jasmine and the oranges. The sun's on your face. Oh. You're strolling along a continental street. Mm-hmm. It's fucking incredible, mate. Mm-hmm. I I was buzzing off of my balls. It was wonderful. 
This uh, is why. This is why I'm addicted to watching the place in the sun on Channel Four, yeah. and why my long-term aim is to spend more time in the other Mediterranean. Southern well, Europe. There, there was a it, moment it's where in my heart. I went to my hotel. My mate went to his, and we had about an hour before we had to start setting off for the game. So I had a quick shower and I said, come and meet me. I'm in the bar next to my hotel. And I went to this little bar, scrappy little place. And I sat outside and I ordered myself an espresso to wake myself up. And I said, mm. have you got any uh, beer without alcohol? I'm going cerveza sin alcohol, trying my best Spanish. Mm-hmm. And he looked at Very me good. like I was mad. And I thought he was looking at me like I was mad because I'd asked for a beer without alcohol. He was actually, as it transpired... He thought I was mad because I was making such a big deal out of it. Because every subsequent bar I stepped foot in, or restaurant, they had two taps on the bar. Usually Cruz Campo was the beer, right? Right. And they had Cruz Campo Normal, and they had mm-hmm. Cruz Campo Sin. Zero. And this was standard. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Right? Standard. They just had two. On, t- on draft, which you just don't get in this country, they had, the, they had one beer on tap, and everywhere you went, you had one or the other. Alcohol, non-alcohol, it's up to you. Don't make a big deal out of it, cunt. We're not impressed by the fact that you don't drink this alcohol. Everyone fucking does it here. Move on. That this was what is it was like. Yeah. yeah. This is the future. They're well ahead of us. So that was good. Anyway, here are some things that happened to me. I'll tell them in order of what I found most entertaining. Um, All right. I was on the train from Madrid to Seville and... Um, there was quite a lot of other West Ham fans on there and we encountered a family, a dad, who was a, he, I think he ran a big bailiff company, which I thought, well, that's interesting work. I might get some stories out of him, but yeah. we didn't get that far. Um, and his two sons. Uh, one of the sons was quite young and was sitting in my seat, but he was very sleepy because he'd been, I think, drinking all day. And um, he was wearing a stone island, right? But he was asleep. So I didn't know what to make of that. But what I did say was, you stay where you are, son. I'll sit somewhere else. And the dad went, why don't you sit with us? And I said, frankly, I don't want to. I'm not drinking and I intend to sleep all the way to Seville. I said, so you will be drinking and that will like bore me and I will be snoring and that will annoy you. And he was like, fair enough. So in the end, my my mate sat in that spare seat and I sat behind them. But I couldn't sleep because there was just too much excitable banter going on. And you know me, Andy, it takes a lot to stop me from sleeping. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. On transport, I'm I'm out like a light, usually. I've toured with you, yeah. Yeah, and I'd slept all the way on the plane. And by the way, on the way home, I slept all the way on the train and the plane. I mean, my mate was sort of impressed, but also offended, I think. Because I, I say outright, look, I've got much more interest in taking this opportunity to sleep than I have in talking to you, right? So anyway, I um, I fell asleep. Uh, I, I thought, well, I can't sleep because they're all drunk and excitable. So I might as well, if you can't beat them, join them. I'll involve myself in the banter. Oh, okay. And I will reveal myself as... Um, a top class banterist a gregarious even extrovert. even though they think oh that guy doesn't drink maybe he's a bit soppy I thought he's a boring cunt uh, uh, yeah he's a boring cunt I am going to impose myself upon this situation and I'm going to banter their fucking cocks off I will right? prove to them that alcohol is not required in order no. to be witty 
In, in fact, um, it made going, me sharper, if anything. I was making uh, yeah, them laugh with things that I thought were real entry-level stuff, right? <laughs> anyway, they were a nice bunch of you lads. You were in first, first gear. By I, I went into first gear, but the thing is, when you're sober and the others are drunk, in first gear, you can have uh, a huge impact just, because they're like, ah! they'll laugh fucking yeah, anything, drunk people. Just, just right? dancing rings around them, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> they were nice, though, and they were the, funny the themselves. The Muhammad Ali of banter. The dad one... Right, he was a he was a big bloke, skinhead. He was the bailiff, and he goes, I can't remember. He must have like I always he sort of addressed it direct. There was a group. There was other West Ham fans there as well. And there was a lot of group, and there was banter crossfire going on. But he directly addressed me with the following, as if he'd assessed me and thought he looks like the kind of guy who's going to enjoy this great story I've got. And there was no context. Right. He just looked at me and went, "Yeah, Sam." He kept. Disconcert. He asked my name at the beginning, and then he disconcertingly used my name frequently. Ah, uh, well, you know clear. that's that, that's uh, you know, you've got to watch people like that. It's power friendly, clear. yeah, that's, but that's, they're also you know displaying to you. They will not forget your name. That is the verbal equivalent of the power handshake, the yes. strong handshake. But he was a nice bloke, right? He was really friendly, and then he hits me with this. It's that. I've got a mate, he lives in uh, Southend, and he has got this new bird, right? He's recently divorced, but he's got this new bird, much younger than him. And I go, oh, yeah. And he goes, she lives in Gravesend in Kent. And I went, right. And he goes, it's a fucking nightmare of a drive. Nightmare. There's no direct (laughs) road, right? Now, I know there'll be fuckers who live in Essex or Kent who are going to email us in there and go, well, actually, it's not very far at all, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. his story doesn't check out. <laughs> I'm so sure that people will do that, that I was almost tempted to look it up on Google, <laughs> on Google. Maps. But then I thought, well, no, then the Lampards have won, haven't they? If I start course, yeah. fact-checking my ludicrous anecdotes, then the Lampards have won once and for all. Even by talking about fact-checking it, they've won. I know. But anyway, this this guy, this is a second, you know, this is a secondhand story. This is not primary source material. He told me that yeah, his mate yeah. said it's a nightmare to get there. So, but he goes. So what he's done is you never guess what he's done. He's bought a fucking hovercraft, right? And I've gone no what? fucking way. And I've thought this guy, this bloke. I'm, I feel bad because I can't remember his name. And I really liked him. I thought he's fucking sized me up immediately. Right, because it was the way he directed directed me. There was a whole group of people, and he thought that cunt there, that sand bloke, is the sort of bloke who is going to fucking respond to this hovercraft story. Yeah, and he was right. I went, "You are joking, mate!" And he went, "No word of a lie, twenty grand." I said, "Fuck off." He went, "I'm serious." He's to get, minted to, my to mate. To get to some nookie a bit quick, a bit quicker. Listen, a hovercraft. He bought a hovercraft for twenty grand, right? <laughs> And he goes, he's, up, he's south end, so he's on the coast anyway. And he hovercrafts yeah. it down the fucking coast to Kent. Down right? end. This is actually a little bit, it's not quite in keeping with the Top Flight Time Machine tone because it's a little mm. bit lad mate, lad mate, That's misogyny. Go fruity, is it? But this okay. bloke did say, he went, if you want to know the truth, he said the real reason behind it is that she's a squirter. Right? And I went, <laughs> what? And he went, yeah. He went, that's why he bought the hovercraft. Oh, God. I went, she's a squirt, so he bought a hovercraft. He went, yeah, because he can't wait in the traffic. When he wants to see her, he's got to see her. And I said, well, 
at the end of the day, whatever happens with that relationship, the bloke's got a fucking hovercraft, it's and a, that's he's got awesome. At the end of the day, yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. And he went, and he doesn't need a boat license for it. You don't need wow. a boat license. Again, there will be Lampards getting in in touch. I think you'll find it subsection five, I attach, paragraph G. I I attach a copy of Maritime <laughs> Law. <laughs> <laughs> the hovercraft section of the Maritime Law Act. <laughs> the 2021 version, the latest version, I think you'll find, where there have been many amendments due to COVID. 20 grand for a hovercraft, mate. Wow. I could fucking come up to fucking Sunderland on it, right? You could. I'm not that far for it. I'd probably, I'd have to ride it down the Thames, out the, t- out the Thames, out through Essex, out into the sea. And then I'm on the right side as well. I'm on the east of the country. Yeah. Then straight up the fucking east coast. Bang! Andy, it's me! I could get one as well. I could meet you halfway. Yeah, Wherever we can meet is. up. You're, you're talking like East Anglia way, probably. Half, probably, halfway. yeah, Norwich, somewhere we like that. We can meet yeah. up on the great, Norfolk great, coast, which is lovely, by Yarmouth the way. Yarmouth is lovely. Oh. We could go there. Yeah, they've got a great we theme could, park we there, could, too. We, we don't even need to come ashore. We could tie our hovercrafts together and do a podcast yeah, and just in, right and workshop ideas for the li- next live oh, show. Of course we could. 20 grand for a hovercraft. As I said to him, I went, that's less than a lot of cars. Right? Yeah. 20 grand. Um, and you've got a hovercraft, which is like a cross between a a boat and a plane, isn't it? Because it sort of flies across surfaces. It goes, the it, sea. It goes above the, uh, yeah, yeah, it hovers, doesn't it? Above the water, yeah. So that was exciting. Flying. The last I saw of that bloke was when we got off the train in Seville. He was ahead of me and he was standing in the forecourt of the main station and he had a GoPro on the end of a stick. And um, <laughs> and as I walked past him, rather than say it was really nice meeting you, which I should have said, and thank you so much for the hovercraft story. That was blinding. Yeah. And I really liked your sons as well. What a nice way to spend the journey. I simply crossed my arms in the universally, um, in the universal sign of I'm a West Ham fan. You cross your arms like the hammer sign, yeah. And I shouted into his GoPro, "Oi, oi!" And then I just carried on walking. And then you went. So that's the only record he'll have of me, which I feel doesn't really do me justice. But anyway, I'll always have the hovercraft story. That is um, incredible. Another story that happened, but it's not, perhaps on reflection, it's not as entertaining. Entertaining me is that at the end of the night, uh, after the game, me and my mate went for some tapas. And it was uh, it was wonderful because we knew we were at a proper, legit, authentic kind of street foody sort of tapas bar as opposed to a touristy place. Because oh. the, the, the waitresses tapas. didn't have a fucking clue what we were on about. And I always think if you're in yeah. somewhere like Spain, they speak quite good English. That means they're used to tourists coming yeah. by. But they just didn't have a fucking clue what we were on about. And we were trying to order tapas. And I just kept saying, soy vegetariana. And they were like, oh. but they, they sort of got that. But of course, yeah. abroad, that they think that means you eat fish as well. But my, <laughs> but my, ma- but my mate was just like barking. All, he was doing the classic, I'm going to shout in English. Very slowly and loudly. And the only, na- the only tapas <laughs> thing he knew was patatas bravas. So, he, but he kept ordering different things, and every time, all he wanted, right, was a sausage, right, a spicy sausage, mm. and in the and he got one, and it was just a spicy sausage, like a whole chorizo, only about like it was only like 
about three inches long, right? It wasn't a big one. Yeah. And there was a little bit of potato salad on the side. And I was like, that's incredible. And he ate it and he went, I want another one of those. So he kept calling her over and saying, I want another one of those. And she, each time, asked him a load of questions in Spanish. And he was just replying, going, yeah, that's right. Another sausage, right? <laughs> and each time she would come back with something different. So it's quite a good way to experience the wide array of tapas available in Spain. So <laughs> next time, another sausage. <laughs> so yeah. The next time she came back with a plate of ham. Then he goes, ah, that was nice, but I want a sausage again, like you gave me the first time. She was like talking Spanish. She goes, yeah, yeah, that's right, another sausage. Come back yeah. with a load of calamari the next time. Oh, right? fucking hell. So God. each time he asked for a sausage, each time he got something different. He was drinking a lot of beers throughout the day, slow and steady drinking from, you know, 11am onwards. By the end, I knew he was pissed, but he was denying it. And I said, I'm going back to my hotel to go to bed. The next day in the morning when I saw him, I said, what happened last night after I went? Did you go home to bed? He went, no, I stopped in the bar next to my hotel. I thought, I'll have one for the road. He went, but I asked some Spanish bloke for a cigarette. He goes, I haven't smoked in a couple of years. He gave up. But I was, he goes, I fancied a cigarette. So I asked one, he goes, but it was one of these really strong Spanish cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, I see. And he went, yeah, and I, I was unused to it. He goes, because I, I, I took a couple of puffs on it. I got a fucking head rush. So I thought, oh, I think I'll go and sit outside for a bit of fresh air. He said, I stood up, I fell forward. He's a big, he's a, he's a hefty guy, my mate, right. right? He said, I fell forward. I knocked over three chairs, a table. He went, and I just didn't stop. And the momentum carried me all the way across the bar, out the door, into the street, across the pavement. And I only stopped when I hit the bonnet of a parked car and spilled my beer all over it, right? And I was like, for fuck's sake, mate, there's all these stories out there, right? When we arrived in town going, West Ham fans on the rampage, drunken English. That's what they're all expecting, You've gone yeah. for a nice quiet bit. You've fulfilled everything they fucking bought. You're some English man who's walked into their bar, ponced the fag off someone, and then literally just charged around, knocking tables over, it's, and then chucked your it, beer over some cunt's he was, car. He was a one-man rampage. Yeah, and he went, yeah, but the thing is, he goes, it wasn't that I was drunk. Side note, he was definitely drunk because yeah, I had witnessed was, yeah. his beer drinking Be all day. He went, it was yeah. the fag. And that's what I was trying to tell him. He went, I fell over this car bonnet. I turned around, the whole bar's all going, oh, English, oh, maybe no more drink for you. And I'm going to him, it wasn't the beer, it was the fag. And they're going, what fag? And I looked in my hand and I dropped the fag. <laughs> so they didn't believe me. I said, you were fucking wiped out by a cigarette, mate. That's absolutely humiliating. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jalapeño. But here's the best story from the trip, right? You're not going to fucking believe this story. We got to Madrid, right? Okay. And we had to catch the train. But we had about an hour before the train left. And Madrid mm. Station, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's incredible. It's got a fucking huge, like, jungle in the middle of it. They've just planted, a, like, a, like, literally like a tropical jungle in the middle of the station. So when you're wow. there, rather than it just be a boring municipal building, like a lot of train stations are... It's, it's amazing. It's like there are huge fucking giant, like, Jurassic-style plants. Like, it's incredible. Is, uh, is, is all of that under a roof, then, or is it under outdoors? A roof. Yeah, yeah. It's so indoor it's sort jungle. Of like, yeah, it's like an indoor jungle. It's incredible, right? And so we were like, let's have lunch here. And there was, quite a, there was either a normal place with, like, normal, like, sandwich or whatever, like, cafe. But there was quite a fancy restaurant. So mm. me being quite fancy, I insisted that we go to the fancy restaurant, right? Because I wanted to have... We had an hour to go. I wanted to have a proper lunch, right? Yeah. And you know what it's like. The other lads, they're all like, just want as much beer as possible, which is fine. I respect that. But yeah. I wanted a nice lunch. So we go into this restaurant at my behest. First come we see, sat on a table on his own, was the former goal scorer, Chelsea goal-scoring midfielder, Gus Poyet. And also, shall we say, a former Sunderland manager. Yes, that's right. Fuck, I forgot about that. Took us to that. Wembley. Took us to Wembley to I the, the Capital One Fuck, Cup man, final man. against Manchester City. Yeah. I should have fucking said that. Anyway, so I saw him. Well, he looks just the same <laughs> I mean, as he ever did. To be fair, Sam, you've forgiven. We've had so many managers. Yeah, that's it's true. fine. He was resplendent, right? You know how he's oh. a very lean chap, isn't he? Well, he still yeah. say he looks the same as he did in his playing days. He was, you know, with his neat, dark hair cut tight to his scalp. He was mm-hmm. wearing some slim-fitting black jeans. This is relevant, what he was wearing, by the way, right. to later in the story. Okay. A, and, and a nice sort of knitted merino wool black V-neck with a neat white, crisp white shirt underneath. Black nice. shoes. Yep. Smart. Smart casual. Smart neat, casual. Refined. Mm. Sophisticated. Confident. He was sat there with his nice luggage, just a little wheelie suitcase, also mm-hmm. black, right? He was having a cerveza, right? Mm-hmm. And he was perusing the menu. And I've gone to my mate. It's only fucking Gus Poyet. And he was like, I know, I clocked him. Incredible, right? Mm. So we got a table for two just behind him. So we could see him from behind. We, I said, this is a great spot because we can have our lunch, but we can also keep an eye on what Gus keep Poyet's Gus up Poyet. to yeah. without him knowing right yeah so that's what we did we ordered our food and i kept quite a close eye on gus poyet 
and um, was noticing what he ordered and when it came and so forth. And I was keeping my mate. I was facing it more directly than my mate. So I was like, I was going, all right, he's, 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 he's his starter. He's, he's had some, um, I can't remember. He had like some sort of salad, right? Mm. And then his steak came and I'm keeping him updated. Oh, and then uh, we get distracted by our own food for about 20 minutes. And I said, listen, when we leave, we'll get a photo with Poet. We have to, right? Of course you do. Yeah, uh, we're West Ham fans. He's a bit of a Chelsea legend, but nevertheless, Poyet is he transcends, a, he transcends club loyalties yeah. because he was a real character, wasn't he, at the Premier League? Yeah. So do you remember like, what got... his nickname was, Sam? Do you remember what his nickname no. was as a player? No. Because he he talked so much. Yeah. In the dressing room, I mean, this came from him from from when he played in Spain before he came to Chelsea. This nickname came with him. His nickname was the Radio. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I thought he's gonna. He won't mind at all. He wouldn't have minded meeting us and having a photo let's, with let's us. Let's hope not. Let's find yeah. out. <laughs> well, what happened was we took our eye off the ball for a minute, and when we looked back, I said, "Oh, quick! He's on. He's, he's on his dessert." And I went, "Fuck me! Look at his dessert!" Right, the waiter's come over, and on a tray, he's got like you know the fanciest type of cocktail glass you can get. It's like triangular. It's like yeah. an eighties cocktail, classic eighties sort yeah. of Del Boy cocktail or, glass, or, or a long even stem. a baby sham, a baby sham type glass. Yeah, but big. So but not big. like a champagne, not like a martini one is triangular, but quite shallow. This was a big cone. It was like a glass cone yeah. on a long thin stem. Whoa. Inside of it was the largest, most fancy fruit salad I'd ever seen. Oh, the classy cunt. Of course, did he have, did he have condensed milk on it? I don't even think it was on the menu, mate. I think he's yeah. just fucking ordered off menu because he's Gus Poet. He's gone, bring yeah. me a massive fruit salad. Oi, in a cocktail glass, you cunt, right? <laughs> and I've gone... I Oi, mean, I, Gus, I said, Yeah. I said, you never fucking... Guess, mate, he's ordered a fucking fruit salad. But it's no ordinary fruit salad. It's the biggest, fanciest fruit salad massive. you've ever seen. My mate's looking around and he's gone, fucking hell, that's incredible. We have got to... <laughs> he goes... <laughs> we have got to get a picture with Gus Boy and the fruit salad. And I said, well, we're going to have to be quick. Let's move now before he starts eating the fruit salad because the more yeah. it's gone, the more impact we'll lose. So we go, right, quick. So we pay the bill. We get up. We trundle over to Gus Poyer, right? I put mm. a hand on the cunt's shoulder, which is a bit of a liberty, but it was sort mm. of me warming him up saying, Gus... That's right, it's me, Sam Delaney, off of Top Flight. Really top journalist. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to go, Gus, we're big fans. Do you mind if we have a quick snap? Yeah, and make sure the fucking fruit salad's mm. in it as well, you cunt, right? <laughs> as I put my hand on him, he turns around to look at me. And I'm not joking, me and my mate took a step back in shock. Because do you know what it was? It wasn't Gus Poyet, right? <laughs> it was a man. But listen, the story's not over. It was a man... Sat in the same seat Gaspoyet had been sitting in, dressed the same, with the same haircut, and extremely <gasps> similar facial features. So Fuck. for one split second we thought, were we mistaken here? Was it was it never Gaspoyet? And we both got excited and just chose to believe it was Gaspoyet. But I yeah. knew it was Gus Poyet because on my way in, I'd seen the cunt up close. We'd even made fleeting eye contacts. So I think he'd noticed me staring, right? Yeah. So we've stepped back and the man's gone to us, see? Like that, like, who are these cunts? We've panicked. We've looked around. 
guess what we've seen as we've glanced over to the door? Gus Poyet, the Gus real Poyet. Gus Poyet, leaving. leaving the restaurant with a, smart, a wry smile on his face. Whoa. Do you know what this other bloke was, mate? He was Gus Poyet's professional decoy. He's doppelganger. He's it was standing. so... I'm not joking, right? It wasn't the same table, but it was the table right behind Gus Poyet. So basically, someone who had the same physical dimensions, same hairstyle and same clothes as Gus Poyet had come in and sat right behind Gus Poyet. Gus Poyet got up and left, leaving us to go and approach the decoy Poyet for a fucking selfie. And as you're doing that, Poyet's walking out thinking, <laughs> it was I pulled like it off. I pulled it off yet again. <laughs> it was like that. We looked and he had a wry Shit. smile like he knew what we'd done. He was looking God. at us like, you thought that was me, didn't you, cunts? Well, it's not. Oh, and I was like, incredible. he hires a decoy. He's got a fucking yeah. decoy or it's the biggest yeah. fucking coincidence ever. I think that Gus Poyet travels with a professional decoy. Well, um, Sam, on, on Atletico Parsnips, yeah. which is the Patreon version of Atletico Mints, we, we mm. regularly deal with uh, Unidents, which is submitted by the listeners, which are unusual incidents, and we decide <laughs> whether or not we are going to decree them as Unidents. And mm. I, I'll put that forward. Yeah. In an abridged form, I'll put that forward in the next one. But I, I can probably say now that's probably going to be uh, granted unit dense status because that is just ridiculous. It was a ma- we couldn't get over it for the rest it. of the trip. Honestly, that was on the way there, and we couldn't stop. We're still texting about it now. We couldn't. It was the biggest. This was me and my mate, my childhood best mate, going away to West Ham in Europe. That's a that's a, for us. It was a big deal, right? It was a really big deal. Yeah. We'll just go and see West Ham in Europe together after all these years of like seeing us be shit. But easily the number one memory we will take away from the entire trip is the Gus Poyet decoy. This is what I'm thinking. Years to come, hopefully for you, there'll be more away trips mm. to Europe for West Ham and you'll you'll rack up 10 or 12 maybe and you won't even remember the results of all of them, but no. you'll always, always remember Gus, Gus Poyet's decoy. And the doppelganger and the decoy in Madrid. That is, that is incredible. Yeah. Hats off. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that story. I've been bursting to get it out on the pod. Um, Didn't you say there was a story about a chimp as well? There's a quick story about a chimp and a only slightly longer story about a coma. Which would you like first? Of course, yeah. Well, let's have the chimp as a kind of... The um, chimp's really quick. I was with my father-in-law on Saturday night and um, I gave we went out for dinner and I gave him a lift home afterwards and he's got great stories because he, he was a refugee. I was talking to him a lot, actually, about the experience of being a refugee this weekend for obvious reasons. Mm. And it was quite moving, actually, because he was a refugee who landed here in 1956 in similar circumstances. Hungary was basically... He he personally was fighting the Soviet army on the streets of Budapest, right? Uh, Which I might have mentioned before, and it was quite a heroic tale, and there was an uprising, and and it was the same. The West were going to come to their aid and support them because they were actually making inroads against Soviets, but then the Suez Crisis happened and the West got distracted... The Soviets overcame the, you know, this sort of student uprising, and my father-in-law and thousands and thousands of other young Hungarians had to flee and actually weren't allowed back in for decades afterwards. He escaped. He landed in England. So I was asking about what his early days in England were like and how welcoming people were, and he painted actually a very nice picture of 
how compassionate and welcoming English people were back then, mm. right? <laughs> and um, I said, what did you do for a living? He goes, oh, well, he goes, I was a lifeguard in a swimming pool in Islington for a while. He goes, I was a very good swimmer. He went, so I managed to get some work there. He, and he was telling about all different people who came. He goes, there was a South African lad who was the other lifeguard. And he kept telling me all the time that he had a, at home, at his flat, he had a trained chimp who was his pet. <laughs> and I was like, like, fuck you do, right? And he's going, it's, it's not even that weird. He's like, well, in, in South Africa, a lot of us have trained chimps who live with us. So I just brought mine over with me when I came here to England. <laughs> And, it, and my and my father-in-law's going. How did they let you through with a fucking train with a chimp? And he's going. They, they didn't mind. I'm coming from the Commonwealth. It's no problem at all, right? And um, my and he was like, "This is fucking bullshit." But he swears blind that after calling bullshit for a few weeks, one day he came into work, and he says that there was a chimp in swimming trunks policing Fuck. the swimming pool. Going round the edge and even shouting at swimmers. <laughs> right? Beware! And, and my father-in-law went, what the fuck's this? And the South African what do you mean? It's cheeky, my chimp. I fucking told you. He can help us here. He doesn't, we don't even need to pay him. <laughs> What's he say now? He's saying no heavy petting. No heavy no petting. Bombing. He's very, he's very, he's very strict about that in particular. He hates to see humans heavy petting. No shouting. <laughs> yeah. So my father-in-law reckons that he was in the early sixties. He said it was about nineteen sixty. We went by the time the chimp turned up. He said he was policing. He was a lifeguard <laughs> with a trained oh, chimp at a swimming pool in Islington. Oh my god. Oh man. That's now, the same standard. night when it, when he was like had, he regaled me with these stories, I was in this local pizza restaurant, right? And um, Len and we were all there, and Len was crying. I can't even remember why. I think he was just tired. He started crying about something, which is, was a yeah. shame. And he had his West Ham hoodie on. By the sounds of it, yeah. He was overtired. He had a West Ham hoodie on, and. Uh, it was, and we were trying to calm him down. And then I had a bloke on another table shout over to him. He was a Cockney gentleman, shouted, Don't worry, son. Whatever it is, it'll get better. And just remember, you support the best football club in the world, right? <laughs> and then looked up and he actually did cheer it up. And he went, Come with your eyes. Oh. And I thought, Oh, this is nice. Because, you know, where I live, West London, you don't come across lots of hammers, right? Yeah. So I've leant back and I've gone, Nice one, mate. I've, like, leant, leant back so he could see me. Because he hasn't seen me at this point. I've immediately thought, this could be an opportunity for me to make a new friend. God knows I need them, right? Yeah, you've been shunning them like fucking... My wife's always like, you need skin. To, Sam, you're really weird. You need to get out more yeah. and so try to socialise more. You spend far too much time talking to me over the fucking WhatsApp video service. Yeah, and, I, you know, and, I I and I'm often to you. I just like, I'm, like, interacting with Nelson... And yeah. having cups of tea, you know, it's like, it's, it's weird. I live a strange life. It's not right. So my wife's like, look, she's got a social life. She's got loads of mates. She has a great time. She's like, fucking hell. So I thought, great, friend potential here. Mm. So I've lent back, I go, all right, mate? Like that. And he's gone, all right, you were dad too? I went, yeah, I'm his dad. Almost like I was showing off, right? <laughs> Without hesitation, this is what this geezer said, right? So I'm not abridging this story this is how the conversation mate alright alright mate alright US Dam as well yeah mate I'm his dad yeah well 
When I was 20, I got hit by a car and I went in a coma. When I came round from the coma, John Lyle was there and he said, right, I'm taking you up Chadwell Eve, which was West Ham's training ground. He introduced me to Trevor Brookin, Billy Bonds and Alan Devonshire, a complete gent. That was the story. And he came immediately out of it, right? And I went... And you got to remember, we were shouting across... We were shouting... It's a quite a noisy restaurant, this room. Yeah. We were shouting across at each other, this. So I shouted back, how long were you in the coma for? And he went, two months, mate. <laughs> and I went, was it worth it? And he went, definitely. He went, some people say I got in it on purpose. <laughs> anyway, nice to meet you. Best thing ever happened to me. Yeah. And then we just went back to our meals. And then as he left, he came and shook my hand. He went, oh, Alan, by the way. And we had a little chat and a catch-up. And then he went. But unfortunately, our wives, usually, as I understand how new friendships work, your wives are supposed to exchange mm. numbers and then arrange a meet-up via text. Is that... Right. I, I don't, don't know. That's I, what I, I assumed I, would happen. I, I don't have a wife. I don't know anymore. I I'm also like ass- you, I'm a bit of a hermit, so I, I'm not sure. I assumed that would happen. So the next day I said to my wife, did you get Alan's wife's number from her? Mm, because I'm interested in meeting you? up with Alan again. Yeah. <laughs> we discussed well. his coma, but I feel like we have other topics that we can discuss. There might even be more to, to learn about the coma. Yes. You know, and memories she that said, she, yeah, because obviously the main thing you want to know about a coma is did you wake up with any new skills? Like, could you speak Japanese yeah. or were you really Language. good at golf? Yeah, yeah. Um, but did you she... wake up with a hard-on? <laughs> that would have been embarrassing in front of John Lyle. But the mad yeah. thing is, right, the mad thing is there was no explanation at all about why John Lyle was there when he woke up from his two-month coma. It literally goes like this. I got hit by a car. I went into a coma. When I came to, John Lyle was there. He took me straight up to Relief to meet Trevor Brookin and Billy Bonds. <laughs> That's it. I've got no problem. Why was John Lyle there? And the other thing is, right, was this why he was a West Ham fan or was it because he was a West Ham fan? So what I'm no, saying is, was yeah, he in he a coma have... and someone wrote yeah. to John Lyle and said, look, my son, Alan, is in a coma. Yeah. He's a big West Ham fan. Could you come down and be there when he comes around? Try to wake him up. Yeah, have a word with him. And John Lyle's going, well, I've got no idea when he's coming round. That's the thing about comas. How would I know when to be? I can't just be there and wait. I've got a football club to run. (laughs) Right? So, uh, or is it that because John Lyle took it upon himself to be there on this sort of vigil for Alan, (laughs) right? That that's why Alan decided to be a lifelong West Ham fan because he came round from a coma and John Lyle was there and said, I'm going to take you for a treat to meet Trevor Brooking and Billy Bonds. And after that, it was like West Ham were the club for me. I don't know. There were these questions and many others. Maybe John Lyle was visiting another coma victim. Victim, is that right? Coma sufferer. Maybe John Lyle was visiting another coma victim in the next bed trying to revive him. It hadn't worked. But this Alan had just woken up just naturally anyway and then decided to become a West Ham fan because John Lyle was there. And he thought that John Lyle had maybe brought him round, but he hadn't. He'd just woken up naturally. Am I dead? Is this Evan or are you John Lyle? <laughs> John no, Lyle, because, you know, you know, John Lyle was very much of the old school. An old school Eastender 
from mm. when West Ham's a real family club. And so what he might have yeah. done is uh, he might have done his coma rounds every week. Yeah, what, every he week. Like, like, after morning. training on a Thursday, I'll do my coma <laughs> rounds. I'll go around all the local hospitals in the East End, all the just visiting units. anyone who's in a coma on the off chance they might come round. And if they do, I'll take them straight up Chad Relief to meet have, Sir Trevor Brooking and Billy Bonds. <laughs> little whisper in their luggage, we'll see if I can bring him round. Wait up, Work you once or twice. It's me, John Lyle. Lyle. <laughs> oh, the I'm forever blowing bubbles. Come on, come. Wake Oi. up. You wake up now and you're going to get an handshake from Sir Trevor Brookin, the gentleman of football. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 10 seconds. I've got to count to 10 and I'm fucking off to the next bed. I've got to go. There's plenty of coma victims here. It being the East End, a lot of people have been bashed over the head. <laughs> I think comas were more prevalent back then in the 80s. Definitely. You had, you had much more about people going into comas. I don't yeah. think it happens so much now. They can kill people easier. But, no, uh, New Labour were, sort of got shot of a lot of that they, with they their got, investment, they got on top of didn't, comas, they? didn't they? Yeah, they brought the coma numbers down. Gordon Brown um, invested a lot in coma technology. He did, he did. Um, well, there we are then. That's been um, a, an outstanding episode of... It's been a joy to just sit and listen to your exploits from the past week or so. Thanks um, for letting me get it off my chest because sometimes these stories, like, <clears> they really eat away at you inside. And like I say, because I don't have any friends, who can I tell them to? I mean, I tell them to Nelson, but he just looks yeah. at me like, I, mate, I don't know what you are on about. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, understandable. Mm. I mean, it's great we've got this outlet, I guess, for that oh. kind of thing. Um, that's it for this episode. Um, we haven't done the predictions for the coming weekend, but we'll we'll do them um, between ourselves and we'll put them on Twitter yeah. so that people know what we've predicted. Uh, just to say, if you're going to come to our cancelled Christmas party at Pop Rex in Sunderland, we've rescheduled it for Tuesday the 19th of April. Uh, tickets remain valid. Uh, tickets should be back on sale again if you want to come along. It will still be a Christmas party. So There'll be a quiz and some music records, right? That sort of thing, yeah. Just general Christmassy kind of vibe, bit of dancing. Mm. Um, we don't know, well, whatever. We'll, we'll just do stuff. Yeah. Uh, so come along to that. Um, all proceeds go to Pop Rex, which is a brilliant venue and arts hub. Yeah, that's it from this. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.